Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia, the only podcast that covers craft beer and all the amazing things that came out of the 90s, even if they were really crappy. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and I'm going to talk to you about a bunch of fun stuff today, including some holiday beers that you're going to find on your shelves and a bunch of stuff that you're not going to be able to find on any shelves because it's discontinued and it only existed in the 90s. Some good stuff coming up here, guys. But Thanksgiving is over. If you're listening to this, unless you went back in time or it is a year from when we recorded this, Thanksgiving is over. We have moved into the official holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, may gifts be a part of it. Some of the gifts you can't get, Oreo O's cereal. We're going to talk about that later, though. First, I want to talk about some beer. What you want to talk about? Some beer. What you going to talk about? Some beer. I want to talk about some beer. I don't know what that last thing was, but we're going to talk about some beer. How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? Oh, tell me. So, as I said, the holiday season is upon us, and with the holidays comes a lot of holiday-themed beers. Now, beers are seasonal in nature, depending on what's available at the time and what kind of concoctions brewmasters want to come up with, but you can always count on certain things around the Christmas season, if you will. Uh, Spiced ales, uh, similar to something you'd find around Thanksgiving with your pumpkin ales and your nutmeg, and you get a lot of the spicy, uh, malty Christmas beers. But also, you'll find a lot of other fun things. Some of the beers I want to talk to you about today. Sierra Nevada Celebration. Dark Horse Brewing Four Elf. Bell's Brewing Christmas Ale. And Stone's Enjoy by 1225-17. So these are fantastic beers. And you're going to find these in most places you're going to go. The Dark Horse one might be a little harder to find depending on what part of the country you live in. But the other ones should be found with relative ease. Uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration. It's an IPA. It is described as festive, fresh, hop, holiday, fun. I think they also encourage you to say that five times fast. Festive, fresh, hop, holiday, fun. I, I just won an award for that. Oh my god, they're handing it to me. You guys can't see this right now, but just for saying that so fast. Wow, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yep, thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration IPA. The start of celebration season is a festive event. We can't start brewing until the first fresh hops have arrived, but once they have, the season is officially underway. First brewed in 1981, Celebration Ale is one of the earliest examples of an American-style IPA and one of the few hop-forward holiday beers. Famous for its intense citrus and pine aromas, Celebration is bold and intense, featuring Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook hops, honoring everything we have at Sierra Nevada. A Sierra Nevada Celebration IPA has an ABV of 6.8% and IBUs 65. I would have thought the IBUs were a little higher because it is a fresh hop IPA, and if you've listened to the past few episodes, you know that that is, uh, that's my bag right there. That's my bag, baby. That should be in the Austin Powers episode, but I'm going to leave that quote in there. Screw you. Uh, Next, I want to talk about Stone. Stone Brewing. Stone has a beer called Enjoy by 1225-17. It is an unfiltered IPA. And if you know anything about Stone, they have these limited edition beers. 
uh, throughout the entire year. There's one for Valentine's Day, I think, enjoy by 214. There's uh, one enjoy by 420. Wonder what that's about. Uh, they have, I think, six total throughout the year. I might be wrong on that. Tweet me, let me know at beers and 90s. But Stone Enjoy by 1225.17 is going to be an unfiltered IPA. And for this version of Stone Enjoy by IPA, we thought, we don't always have a filter, so why should our beer? Nice. By skipping a step and letting this devastatingly fresh, golden hue double IPA go unfiltered, the beer takes on a hazy appearance and its peach and tropical fruit hop aroma are intensified. So though it may sound like it, this misstep was no misstep. Uh, ABV of 9.4%, so just under 10. It's pretty high up there in the alcohol scale. And IBU 90, so very bitter. That's that unfiltered, super hoppy IPA. So definitely want to be by yourself for this one because try to bring your wife around. She's like, I don't like hops like that. And you're like, come on, Erica. Or, you know, whatever your wife's name is. Let's not make this personal, guys. And like other IPAs in this series, as I mentioned earlier, this version is brewed specifically not to last. And guys, if you go to a liquor store and they have a stone beer that has an enjoy by title and it's past that date, don't pay full price. Make them mark that down. I've been to a number of stores lately that have still have, uh, I think it was enjoy by September 4th IPA. I'm like, bro, it is the end of November. Don't try to charge me $15 for a 22-ounce bottle that's expired. Uh, shelf life is important. It's ridiculous how people try to age stuff that's not supposed to age. And speaking of aging, one thing that Bell's does is on the back of their beers, they will tell you the shelf life. And they do have some that are unlimited because they can age. You can keep a nice uh, dark note or maybe an expedition stout. You can keep it in your fridge forever and drink it, you know, with your grandkids if you want. Something like the Christmas Ale, Bell's Brewing Christmas Ale, does have a shelf life of six months and is noted right on the back of the beer. More breweries, I think, should do this because people do get confused. And it's also a nice way for consumers like myself to call out those liquor store owners for having expired beer on their shelves. Not only that, but trying to get full price for it as well. It's a shady business out there, folks. There's a lot of shady stuff going on in micro uh, microbrewing craft beer stores across this great nation. But Bell's Brewing Christmas Ale. This is a traditional scotch ale, rich and malty with notes of caramel and a warm finish. Certain to make any occasion festive or at least a bit more bearable. Enjoy with company of friends and family. ABV, 7.5%. Now, I do have some Bell's Christmas Ale here with me right now, and it is delicious. Now, one thing I do notice about the Christmas ale is it's a scotch ale, but unlike other scotch ales you might have, it's not overpowering. And as a scotch fan, I don't mind the overpowering scotch ales, but I know a lot of people that are turned off to that almost immediately if you give it to them to taste. So this one is actually really mild. There's not a lot of bite to it. Uh, it's very reminiscent of a fall beer, but still a little bit spiced to make you think, hmm. Christmas. So that is a delicious one. I recommend trying. That's going to be a lot easier to find out there as well. It's pretty mass produced at this point, but uh, Bell's Brewing, it is called Christmas Ale. Delicious. And last but not least today, Dark Horse Brewing out of Marshall, Michigan. Four Elf. It is a winter warmer spiced ale. 
Four Elf is holiday cheer in liquid form. Wow. Spicy aromas like cinnamon and clove give this dark brown winter warmer a proper holiday welcome. Balance between malt, hops, and spice at 8.75% ABV. This beer goes great with all holiday foods, from sweet snacks to the roast beast. So yeah, 8.75 ABV. It's a little higher there on the alcohol scale. IBUs are pretty low though at 36. And they, like they said, it's a winter warmer spiced ale. So as I mentioned at the beginning, getting some of those uh, spices and flavors, uh, like they mentioned, cinnamon, clove. Yeah, and you can immediately taste that. That's like if you're familiar with a traditional Swedish drink, Glug. Similar to that, but you know, not as overpowering. So those are just four of many, 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 many holiday beers you can find on shelves. Tell me, uh, tell me what kind of beers you guys have in your local areas, or maybe you're in Michigan and you have other favorite beers that you find around the holidays. Shoot me a, shoot me a tweet or an email or go to the website. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at beers and nineties. That's at B E E R S A N D nine zero S beers and nineties. Let me know what you think. Give me some beer recommendations. I'd love to try them out. Now, with every generation growing up, you have toys and drinks and food and screw it, even friends that when you grow up are no longer available. (laughs) So there's a lot of discontinued things that come out of every generation, and we are definitely no exception for those kids, teenagers, young adults of the 90s. There are things that we had that we might even want back today, but I guess what, guys, without eBay, you're never going to see it. And sometimes even with eBay, you're never going to see it. I'll tell you what, if I find a box of Rice Krispie Treat cereal on eBay, I'm probably not going to buy it. It's probably expired. But there are a lot of things that have been discontinued that are fun to think about and look back on and wonder if they're still available today and wonder why the hell they were available in the first place. I want to start out today with a little piece of clothing you might remember called Hypercolor. You're unbelievable. That's right, hypercolor. This was uh, clothing, mainly t-shirts and shorts, that changed color with heat, which can be very embarrassing if you use them as your gym clothes, as many of us learned in the 90s. They contained a thermochromic pigment made by Matsui Shikisu Chemical of Japan that changed between two colors, one when cold and one when warm. The shirts were produced with several color change choices beginning in 1991, The effect could easily be permanently damaged, however, uh, when the clothing was washed in hotter-than-recommended water, iron, bleached, or tumble-dried. That's a lesson we all learned very quickly, because as kids, you get these shirts, and, you know, you have all your friends put their hands on it, and it changes color, and you're like, oh, this is crazy. Or if you're a teenager, and you have this shirt, and you're like, no, I wasn't fooling around. Oh, I see what you, okay. But then you throw them in the wash with everything else, and all of a sudden, they don't change color anymore. Or you're sitting there with a hairdryer just to make it change color. But guess what? That hairdryer is probably ruining it. So here's the weird part about these shirts. I mean, other than the fact that they're shirts that change colors. I didn't know this until I was doing some research, but I found out that there are tiny little beads, essentially. Um, they're called leuco dyes. And 
they're interwoven essentially with the fibers of the fabric. They're droplets of thermochromic dye mixture and enclosed in transparent microcapsules, a few micrometers in diameter, which sounds small, uh, bound to the fibers of the fabric. So they would change color. They're the same kind of a uh, chemical they use in mood rings and they'd change color and then they would go transparent depending on the temperature. Really crazy stuff. There's actually a lot of science behind it. And then I just got cross-eyed trying to figure out. And then I sent to my chemical engineer friend and he's like, oh yeah, I know what all that means. I said, well, I feel stupid. Hypercolor clothing. You can find some of these on eBay. If you guys are like, oh my God, I remember that. I need to buy it now. You can find hypercolor shirts uh, on eBay. I, I wouldn't recommend it. Not for any sort of like weird health reason, but I feel like they probably don't work anymore. It's been years, right? Like, did someone have that hanging in a, like a dry closet, the perfect temperature for so many years that it just still works like it's supposed to? I doubt it. But check it out if you want. I'm not going to. Next on our list of forgotten memories that can no longer be attained, that girlfriend you had when you were 12. Sure, it wasn't serious. You were 12, but I mean, maybe it could be serious now, you know, wherever you are, Christina fur, I got nothing guys. Uh, but seriously, things you can't get now that you could get back then that were delicious. You remember Fruitopia? Yeah, it was a beverage. It was called Fruitopia. It was owned by Coca-Cola. They discontinued it in 2003. I have a fun story about this, though. The group of friends I was hanging out with, same group of friends that were obsessed with Dawson's Creek, so let's, let's put the bar right there. Favorite drink was Fruitopia, and specifically Peach Berry Quencher, if I'm not mistaken. And it was referred to in our little circle of friends as Heaven in a Bottle. Delicious. And as it became harder and harder to find, because even though it was discontinued in 2003, it kind of slowly came off the shelves. And you probably remember that happening. Maybe if you were a fan, you'd be like, oh, that mobile doesn't carry it anymore. Crazy. But we would all try to look for it and we'd all give it to her and she'd have coolers full. And I remember her graduation party in high school was a cooler full of peach berry quencher fruitopia. Little did she know she should have shoved that into the cellar and aged it like a fine wine because it would be gone before she knew it. Uh, Squeeze-its. There's another beverage made by General Mills, but for some reason I thought it was Kool-Aid, but I'm thinking of like Kool-Aid quenchers or whatever the hell they're called. You guys remember Squeeze-its though? The really weird feeling plastic bottle and you just twist the top off and shoot juice in your mouth. Take that for what it's worth. Those were delicious because they were sugary, I'm going to go ahead and assume. Can't exactly look up an ingredient label right now, but that's the general idea I get. And everything on this list, now that I'm looking at it, is very high in sugar. <laughs> that's probably why I loved it as a child. They called me Fat Justin. Not because my name was Justin, but because I was fat and my name was Justin.
Dannon Sprinklins, which I thought was just called Dannon Sprinkles, but apparently it's called Dannon Sprinklins. This was the yogurt you got that came with a cap filled with sprinkles. So you just dump the sprinkles in the yogurt. Guys, this is literally the only reason I ate yogurt in the 90s. My mom was like, yogurt's good for you. I was like, is it? She's like, has sprinkles. Okay. I mean, yeah. That's, that is genius marketing. And I mean, it's right up there with genius parenting. I'll tell you what, when I have children and they don't want to eat something, I'm going to dump some freaking sprinkles on it. It's colorful, it's sweet, it's sugary, it's delicious. Eat it. And that's how you make green beans. I don't want to get scientific here, but there is a butt ton. I believe that's part of the metric system. A butt ton of cereals that have come and gone from the moment you remember cereal to today. Anytime any cereal company, be General Mills or Kellogg or whoever, gets their hand on the rights to a popular movie or kids show or anything like that, they will make a cereal for it. I remember Batman cereal growing up. It's just little yellow Batman symbols. Delicious. Um, but three that I saw pop up on this list that I really missed and I used to get and I was super excited when they came out. Uh, Rice Krispies treat cereal. So good. Sure, Rice Krispies were great, but what if you could get them glued together with marshmallows and then pour milk on that? Uh, yes, please. I don't know why they discontinued that. It's, it's genius. They probably didn't have to change much either. Just dump a little sugar into the mix and they just stick together. It's fantastic. Delicious. Oreo O's. What could be better than a cereal made out of the cookie part of Oreo with little white sugar specks all over them and then what happens at the end you get oreo milk guys you got to just drink oreo milk how is this a breakfast cereal i don't want to like shatter anyone's world here so i was a i was a child of divorce and my mom got me the good stuff and by good stuff i mean like good for me stuff but then i'd go visit my dad and he was like gotta make up for it somehow i would get whatever the hell i wanted at the grocery store and these were my cereals. I would watch these advertisements like all through the school year of these brand new cereals like Oreo O's is a great thing. Great, great example. Watching your Animaniacs, your Tiny Toons. You see an advertisement for a cereal made of frickin' Oreo cookies. Uh, yes, please. Just wait for the summer. And then when summer came, you go visit my dad. All of a sudden, we're at the grocery store. I can get whatever I want. And guess what I want? The frickin' Oreo cereal. Are you joking? It was delicious. Took advantage of that every single year. If you're a child of divorce now and you're listening to this, I recommend you do the same thing. One of your parents feels more guilty than the other, and you can use that to your advantage to get amazing food at the grocery store. Finally, on that exact same note, Pop-Tarts Crunch. This was a cereal that looked like Pop-Tarts. So let me just put that in perspective for you. They were tiny rectangles with frosting on them. Okay, that's sugar cereal enough. But then they had the filling too. <laughs> like this is, like, it was it was also known as diabetes cereal, but <laughs> delicious. I remember it was like strawberry pop tarts, so it was just delicious. Uh, didn't really taste anything like pop tarts if I remember correctly, but tasted like a ball of sugar in my mouth, and I loved it. Cereals are amazing and fantastic, and you guys at the cereal companies. Keep doing what you're doing. 
because I may be in my mid-30s, but I will still go buy the next big thing. Except for all berries. I draw the line somewhere. Gotta have Cap'n Crunch, Crunch Berries. Peanut Butter Crunch, sure. All berries, get your damn life together. Get your damn life together. Here's a couple candies that you might not even remember and you definitely can't find anymore. Lifesaver holes. You guys remember these? Sure, you have lifesavers. There was just a hole in the middle of a lifesaver because there's just a little circle. It was a, uh, what did it look like? Oh, right, a lifesaver. But what happened to the holes that they popped out? That candy, lifesaver holes. They came in like a little uh, like M&M Minis type tube. And there's just little tiny holes, little hard candies that were made to believe are the holes they popped out of lifesavers. Delicious, fun, not economical, discontinued. Or how about Hershey's Tastations? Do you guys remember these or am I the only person? Because I remember the theme song from the commercial and everything. That was the greatest thing ever. Those were so delicious. I got them, the the chocolate flavor specifically, and loved it. I know the audio in that was probably crap, and I'm sorry, but that those were so good. And that jingle would get stuck in my head. First hard candy from Hershey's to you. Butterscotch, peppermint, caramel, and chocolate. Yum daddy hard candy. That's how that went. You're welcome. <laughs> can play that back as many times as you want because this is on the internet forever uh, those were just two of many discontinued candies if you look it up you can find candy you didn't even know existed i did it i found candy i didn't know existed and it blew my freaking mind Finally, in the world of discontinued foods and drinks that we all loved and missed so much, you guys, you got to come back. You know, if I didn't, if I didn't become a diabetic as a child, I wanted to become a diabetic as an adult, and I can't do that without Pop Tart cereal and Dan and Sprinkles for Christ's sake. But finally, I want to talk about the uh, the drink that we all knew and loved for the very limited time it was around Orbitz. You guys remember Orbitz? Orbitz was uh, a drink with tiny little balls that floated in it. It was small floating edible balls and marketed as a texturally enhanced alternative beverage. But some consumers just compared it to a lava lamp. Uh, and it was made by a company you might recognize from the 90s as well, Clearly Food and Beverage Company of Canada, makers of Clearly Canadian. 
So the science behind it was the small balls floated due to their nearly equal density to the surrounding liquid and remained suspended with assistance from an ingredient known as gel and gum. Uh, the gel and gum provided a support matrix, something of like a microscopic spider web, and had a visual clarity approaching that of water, which increased with the addition of sugar. So, I mean, when you break it down, <laughs> the hell were we drinking? <laughs> and uh, the website, which this might be the best part, because this launched in 97 and I think was gone within a few years, and the internet wasn't like huge back then, but orbits.com you might know already, is now a travel website. They had to buy it from clearly Canadian people because they're like, hey, that's the name of our travel company. I'm like, yeah, but that's the name of our bomb-ass drink that has tiny balls that float in it. I don't know how they lost that battle. Uh, apparently, there's a rumor that there was a relaunch in 2015, but I did not see it in stores because if I did, I would have bought the hell out of it. But if you remember the flavors when it was introduced were raspberry citrus, blueberry melon, strawberry. What that three in one? Jesus. Pineapple, banana, cherry, coconut. That's four. Four in one. Vanilla orange. That's the one I always got. And the company later added black currant berry. God, I, am I basic or am I just not crazy? I always drank vanilla orange. When there was a flavor called pineapple, banana, cherry, coconut. It's like uh, it's like they put a bunch of flavors in a bowl and just drew for names. What the hell is that? People are crazy. Now, with all this talk about food and drink in the 90s, one thing that might come to mind is things do not taste the same today. And while we all get new taste buds every seven years, our tastes don't always change to the degree that we might think they do. And one of the reasons that things today, such as, you know, a double cheeseburger from McDonald's or just your run-of-the-mill uh, vegetable from your grocery store does not taste the same as it did when you were a kid in the, maybe in the 90s or the 80s, that's because of GMOs. That's right. Genetically modified octopus. It's not what the O stands for. But in uh, 1994, Calgene, a company out of California, attained approval to commercially release the Flavor Saver Tomato. And if you were old enough to remember, this was all over the news back in 94. The first genetically modified food. So Flavor Saver, which is the best part, also known as CGN-89564-2. Uh... <laughs> You want a uh, lettuce? Yeah. You want onion? Yeah. You want a uh, CGN89564-2? Yeah. That's just strange. A genetically modified tomato was the first commercially grown genetically engineered food to be granted a license for human consumption. This is in 94, people. It wasn't that long ago in hindsight. It was submitted to the FDA in 92, and on May 18th, 1994, the FDA completed its evaluation of the flavor saver tomato and the use of APH32 okay concluding that the tomato is as safe as tomatoes bred by conventional means and that the use of aminoglyceride 3-phosphotransferase 2 is safe for use as a processing aid in the development of new varieties of tomato rapeseed oil and cotton intended for food use i would like to point out 
we didn't know much about DNA in 94 either. So I don't know if anybody wants to retest those science uh, things or if that's just evidence of why there's so many things that go against GMO foods today. I'm not going to lean you one way or the other. That's up to you to decide. I just want to point out that uh, science, you know, what, 23 years ago, it's not the same as science is today. And in 23 years, we're going to say the same thing. But maybe keep these things uh, in a continuous loop of testing and stop taking, you know, all the lobbyist money. But now I'm preaching. So I'll move right along to the last thing that you had in the 90s that's really never going to be the same. It's a big one, guys, and I'm really sorry to break this to you. It's called ice cream. Yeah. Yeah, ice cream. Maybe you were uh, going up to the store with mom and picking out a half gallon of your favorite flavor. I was a big Moose Tracks fan growing up. My mom would always get mint chocolate chip. Grandma liked butter pecan. Get a half gallon, you come home, everybody eats their ice cream. Delicious. Well, aside from a half gallon not existing anymore, it's typically 48 ounces or less. Uh, half gallon, 64 ounces. So that size has gone down, which I guarantee the price is not. On top of that, next time you go to buy ice cream, I would encourage you to look at the ice cream and make sure that it in fact says ice cream. Because one thing you'll notice, especially in things like uh, some Butterfinger Blast Briars stuff or any Oreo, anything you get candy in, uh, any of those ice cream bars, uh, the dreaded Good Humor Bar, Strawberry shortcake changed the recipe, guys. You will never have the strawberry shortcake that you got when the ice cream truck came around in the 90s. That version does not exist anymore. It's very sad. Uh, in 93, Unilever, you might remember them as a soap company. Uh, they bought Briars. So just to put things in perspective, uh, the FDA issued a notice that you have to call something a frozen dairy dessert instead of ice cream if it doesn't have the proper ratio of milk fat in it. And if that makes no sense to you, we'll just compare two of Breyer's most popular brands, uh, natural vanilla ice cream and extra creamy vanilla frozen dairy dessert. Here's some ingredients for you. Breyer's natural vanilla ice cream in order. Milk, cream, sugar, tarragum, natural flavor. That's it. Milk, cream, sugar, you got your tarragum, which I believe is a preservative, and then natural flavor, so probably like uh, derivative vanilla beans. Oh, what is that? Five total ingredients? And remember the order there, milk, cream, sugar. Now let's go to Breyer's Creamy Vanilla Frozen Dairy Dessert. Mmm. Milk, sugar, corn syrup, cream, whey, monoglycerides, diglycerides, carabine gum, guar gum, carrageenan natural flavor, annatto, vitamin A palmitate, tarragum. Okay. Well, we hit all the ingredients, but uh, you'll notice it was milk, cream, sugar, and in this one it's milk, sugar, corn syrup. The top three, very different. And you guys, you can taste this too. And it's very sad, and I only bring this up because I got a strawberry shortcake from a little ice cream social thing we had at work a couple of weeks ago. 
And I just said, this taste, it, it tasted fake. It tasted weird. And it drove me nuts. And I ended up diving into an internet hole and finding out the difference between ice cream and frozen dairy dessert. So now you know. And uh, back in the 90s, that was not something you had to worry about. It was just all ice cream. But never again. Never again, guys. So I didn't want to leave on such a down note. So to make you guys happy, I'm going to sing you the Hershey Taste Station song again. We're the Taste Stations. First hard candy from Hershey to you. Butterscotch, peppermint, caramel, and chocolate. Yum, daddy, hard candy. We're the Taste Stations. That is it for episode nine. It is wrapping up and ending as we speak, as you listen. Remember, let me know your beer ideas for Christmas beers at Beers and 90s on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Shoot me them messages. You can email me at justin at justinlammusic.com. You can check out some information about the podcast and justinlammusic.com slash podcast. Guys, keep listening. Like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your grandma. Remember that time when you were just a younger grandma? That was the 90s for you. It was amazing. Uh, tell your mom, this is the stuff I liked that you never understood. Uh, whatever you want to do, keep it going. We are trending upwards already, and it's fantastic. More downloads this month than last month, and hoping to keep that going even more next month. Thank you guys for all your support. It is awesome, and thank you so much. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We got a bunch of good stuff coming up this month. And for the holidays, we have a special extra episode dealing with, I'll just uh, hint this as limited edition stouts. I'll say that. We'll dive deeper. Thank you guys. Keep listening. Subscribe. I'll let you know everything going on. We will be best friends. Whether you like it or not. No, I just, I want I want your approval. I need your approval. Bye. In the time of chimpanzees, I was a monkey. Butane in my veins and mouth to cut the chunky with the plastic eyeballs. Spray paint the vegetables, dog food stalls with the beefcake pantyhose. Kill the headlights and put it in neutral. Stock car flaming with the loser and the cruise control. Babies in Reno with the vitamin D. Got a couple of couches. Sleep on the love seat. 